adopt this teaching uh, that this man had gotten, these men had gotten from, from their time in the, in the uh, uh, ethereal world and decided to, to bring it into the Catholic Church. And he, he, he called it the Enneagram. And then, as so often happens in evangelicalism, what happens in the Catholic Church, after about 10 years, it makes its way into the evangelicalism. And then we had authors writing it. Now we've got Christian colleges teaching entire courses about the Enneagram. And if I just offended you, I'm sorry. Look it up. That's where it comes from. It comes directly from the spirit world. I've had pastors get upset with me for, for saying this. But listen, friends, you here in Madison are going to know better than most that doctrines of demons exist. And we start, we just start accepting this stuff. And I see good people online posting all about it, etc. And I think to myself, oh, we need discernment. You can't take the devil's power and try to use it for something good. We're not told to manage evil. We're not told to manipulate the devil, but rather resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The demons recognized Jesus, didn't they? Jesus, I know. Why would they recognize Jesus? Well, sometimes the uh, demons knew things better than people did. They recognized him as the son of God. They knew him to be God. They knew his power. In fact, remember when he cast out the demons uh, and they begged him? They said, it's not our time yet. Don't, don't cast us into the abyss. Send us into those pigs. Right? By the way, it's my theory. This is just my theory, opinion alert. They asked to be sent to the pigs because then they drowned the pigs and they were released from them, right? Because wherever Jesus would send the demons, that's where they're going to be condemned to be. That's where they're going to be bound to be. Well, they killed the pigs so they could be released from the pigs and then go out into the world again. Uh, different people have different theories on why they ask for that. That's my theory. It's kind of practical. But I simply say this. They recognize who Jesus was. Listen. That's where the power is. The Bible says, I believe it is in Jude, where the Bible says that Michael didn't even directly challenge the devil when they were fighting about the body of Moses. Right? The Lord rebuke you. The power to fight the forces of evil is not us. It's not the books that we read. It's not the uh, ability we get somehow to perform exorcisms. Listen, even among good Christian people, there seems to be this idea that the Catholics get a lot of things wrong, but they are the experts when it comes to exorcisms. No, they're not. They're not the experts when it comes to exorcism. doesn't matter what kind of movies have been made and what kind of lore is out there. Listen, you cannot fight evil. Anything, uh, the devil is tricky, isn't he? By the way, if we saw the devil today, if we saw Lucifer we wouldn't think of him as ugly or, or even evil. We think of him as beautiful. Beautiful. Because he's, he appears as an angel of light. And his job, what he sees as his job, is to deceive the hearts of men. Listen, I can't take on the devil by myself. I'm nothing. You're nothing. It's not us. We'll get to that in just a moment as we close. But the demons didn't just recognize Jesus. They recognized Paul. Now things get real interesting, right? Jesus I know and Paul I know. Now, why would they have known Paul? I'll tell you this. Paul 
was doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. Paul, one of their greatest allies, a religious man, by the way, right? A religious man, someone who who, uh, thought he was doing God's work, was actually serving the kingdom of darkness. Boy, do we see that today? Listen, not everyone that's that's on the on the wrong side of things is you know hateful and and uh, 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 just overtly thinking they're serving evil. In fact, if you want to really be effective in uh, promoting false thoughts, uh, have somebody have the wrong way of thinking, but think they're doing it for the right reason. Have them think they're on the side of God. How many times do we hear today? That, well, that's not what Jesus would say. You know, people going on talk shows and all this stuff. We have no idea who Jesus is. But, you know, that's not what a real Christian is. I'm thinking, how do you know what a real Christian is? Have you ever cracked open a Bible? How do you know what Jesus would say? You don't know him. It's like, it's like yeah, I know Ben Everson. He loves running marathons. Listen. Back in high school when I did run sports and play sports, I still didn't like marathons. and never ran a marathon or long distance at all. I was a sprinter, man. Get it over with. <laughs> right? If someone were to say that about me and you know me well enough, you'd be like, you don't know Ben Evers on that. Right? Marathon is the furthest thing from his mind. Right? See, you, you know me enough to know that that person doesn't know who Ben Evers He doesn't know much about him. <laughs> Same thing when it comes to when we see people talking about Jesus. You don't know my Jesus. Because you know Jesus, yes, he, he loved people. That's why he came. But he does, his definition of love is not this weird definition of love, twisted love, where you just uh, <clears throat> approve of anything someone does because oh, you love that person. No, real love says that's right, that's wrong, this is going to hurt you. But the demons recognize Jesus, they recognize Paul. He was doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. Yesterday was a horrible day for me as a Spartan. We just got, Michigan State Spartan, right? We just got annihilated by Washington. That's a pretty good team. That's a pretty good team. I, I easily put them in the top, top six teams. And I'm a college football fan, so any of you who are like that, we can talk. Because uh, I like to talk uh, strategy and things like that. The coach we had, who I'm sure is going to be fired at some point, showed that he didn't have he didn't have personal character. Right? That shows up. It matters. Character matters. So we're coach. We're not coach less, but an interim coach and all this stuff. All you know, it's going to be a long year. But I'll say this: when you're drafting a game plan, you want to know who are the players on the other team that are going to do the most damage, right? Hey, we need to spot this wide receiver. We're going to double him, or don't let. We got to spy the quarterback. So we don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. You're, you're paying attention to the key players that are making a difference for the other side because you want to shut them down. That was Paul. Paul was, had become, he was a force for evil without even really knowing it, but he was a force for evil and now he flipped completely and now he was becoming a real threat to the kingdom of darkness. So they're like, oh, oh man, we know Paul. He's that wide receiver that keeps scoring touchdowns. <laughs> He's that quarterback that we just can't handle. Isn't that a fascinating glimpse into the spiritual world from the perspective of the enemy? One of the best books you can read 
Uh, there's only one book, capital B, all right? But there are some helpful books down here that men have written. If you can ever read something called the Screwtape Letters. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. All right, it's written from, obviously it's made up, but it's written from the perspective of like one demon to a younger demon that he's trying to help. And you say, that sounds kind of interesting. Well, if, if you can handle it, you should read it because uh, it, it gives obviously a made up view, but like it'll say stuff like this. I'm paraphrasing, but it'll say stuff like, hey, the best way we can neutralize our enemy is to put them to sleep. And he didn't mean kill. He just meant convince them everything's okay. Convince them that there's not really a battle. That's one of the best ways we can win this battle, win this war. And isn't that true? <laughs> Sometimes maybe it's your favorite sports team. It's bad when it happens in war, when one side really doesn't commit and show up. But they recognize Paul. So I want to ask you this question as we close this morning. I know it's a little bit different message. <laughs> one question. Are you a threat to the enemy? Do the demons know your name? So, brother, man, that makes me kind of uncomfortable. Listen, you're in a battle. You're already in one. I mean, whether you want to admit it or not, I mean, we might as well pick up our armor. <laughs> we might as well say, listen, I, I'm on team Jesus, and I want to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Do the demons know your name? Or do they not worry about you? <laughs> are you any sort of threat to the enemy? We are either advancing God's kingdom or the devil's kingdom. There's no in between. We're either advancing what God wants to do or taking away from it and helping the enemy. Now look, I, I understand not every one of us is like Paul in that we have a platform of thousands of people. Maybe your little slice of America, maybe your little world is uh, the children that you work with. You say, well, you know, that's, that's not super important. Are you kidding? Let me just take a quick poll. How many of you were saved before the age of 15? All right, all right. About half of the people in this room, you think of an average lifespan of 75, 80 years, Half of the people in this room were saved before the age of 15. Don't tell me working with children isn't important. You, we see it all around us. The devil is trying to steal the children of this country before they even have a chance to think. You realize that? That's what all this stuff, all the gender things and all this stuff about, you know, my three-year-old decided he wanted to be a girl and all this. You know, they're not thinking that. Their parents are doing that. The people in their lives are putting that on them and they're trying to wreck them before they can even be conscious of what is going on in their life. Friends, we need to be on our knees about this because this is doctrines of devils. And it's the devil trying to get in and say, well, hey, what's the best way to win the war? Don't even let them get to a place where they can think. You say, well, can't someone who's gone through these things get saved? Absolutely, 100%. And you know what? One of the most encouraging things that I'm seeing in this dark day and age are testimonies of people who have had horrible things done to them when they were children. 
But yet God's grace reaches down and they're transformed and they're rescued and they're, they're healed, sometimes not physically because physical things have changed. But God does some amazing things and these are going to be people that are going to turn around and be missionaries to people who have been hurt just like them. Because I'll tell you right now, there are certain things I cannot understand by experience because I've not been there. But God is working at every level of society. Don't ever doubt it. What's your job? Well, maybe your job is a right tackle. Say, Brother Ben, more sports metaphors? <laughs> Sorry, it's football season, so the sports metaphors come out, all right? Right tackle. Maybe, what do I mean by that? Well, maybe your job is just to try to keep the other guy out. And it's not glamorous, and it's not, the, you know, what gets all the attention, like a wide receiver, who tend to be the divas on a team right? because <laughs> they get all the glory. Maybe your job is just to be ready to kick a field goal when it's your turn. You follow what I'm saying? I don't know what your job might be, but I will tell you this, that God has given one to you and you need to fulfill it. Just be faithful where you are. Just be faithful. And God, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's the one that's setting up the chessboard. And I'm glad because if I thought, listen, if I, if I didn't, there's so many people that are, you know, denying the rapture anymore. Maybe I'll talk about the rapture this week. That'd be, that'd be neat. I love talking about the rapture. Because it's a doctrine that's really kind of falling out of favor, etc. And I know I go to different churches and there's different, probably somebody here that might disagree with me on that, etc., etc. I, I understand. And um, you love Jesus and we're brothers and, or sister perhaps in Christ. Uh, we can rejoice with each other and it's not a matter of separation, you understand. But what worries me is if we ever make doctrinal decisions based on our observation of what we're going through. See, I understand this. A lot of people, okay, it's a 90-second detour, okay? I'm almost done, but it's a 90-second detour. I do, I do believe the doctrine of the rapture is biblical. I also do understand that the doctrine of the rapture gained much popularity during the height of the, uh, you know, the USSR and all this type of stuff. There was a, a world consciousness where we thought the communists out of Russia were going to take over everything. And, and so the rapture doctrine became, I'm, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can read The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. That's the thing that really popularized the idea of a rapture. Again, I think it's biblical. And there were teaching on it. There was teaching on it way before. In fact, I can even find early church fathers uh, that promoted the idea of a rapture, which you might think is impossible. But I can, I can get you documentation on it if you want. Having said that, 45 seconds left on my rabbit trail. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And hey, Israel became a country in 1940. What was it? Uh, thank you. Thank you. 1948. The Bible says a generation won't pass. And da, 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 da. So it must not be true. And, and, uh, and look at our country in the United States. You know, we're weakening and all this type of stuff. Sometimes, and I'm a patriot, but sometimes we mix our Bible interpretation with America. And that's a problem. So people are like, well, the rapture must not be true. We must be going into the tribulation because i got to pay an extra $2 for gas. You see, most people get their theology from their wallet. And that's a problem. So we're seeing the pendulum swing in our churches. Now, if you differ from me on that, that's fine. And you, you say it's not about gas price, fine. <laughs> okay. You say, Brother Ben, what's the point of all this? The point of all this is that our job before Jesus comes back is just to do what he says and be faithful where we are because if I thought I was responsible to bring in the kingdom, that's what I was talking about the rapture, okay? If I thought 
the rapture wasn't happening and I'm responsible to bring in the kingdom and Christians are responsible to bring in the kingdom, I'd be really discouraged right now because we're doing a horrible job. But it's not my job to convert the world to some political theory. My job is to be faithful where I am. Ready? Five things you can do as we leave here this morning to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Number one, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Leave tracts somewhere. If you get nervous, that's all right. Arm yourself with some tracts. It'll do the talking for you. By the way, leave a tract and a tip. Don't replace a tip with a tract. All right. Number two, be a person of prayer. The devil isn't afraid of us. Doesn't matter if you get, you know, 20,000 people in a stadium for a Christian rock concert and they say, let's scream so loud the devil runs for cover. <laughs> I saw that on television in a hotel room on Sunday morning one time. I thought, that's the silliest thing in the world. The devil's not going to run for cover because a bunch of teenagers are screaming. I'm not against teenagers. I was one. Great times in my life. I have, we have had teenagers. We still have two left. Not because we killed them. But because they keep getting older. I'm not against teenagers at all. It's a wonderful time in life, but they're not scared of teenagers, not scared of adults screaming or whatever. No. The devil gets nervous when we pray. Number three, be strong in the word. Maybe I could replace it. Get strong in the word. If you're not strong in the word, get strong in the word. Can be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Number one, share the gospel. Number two, be a person of prayer. Number three, become strong in the word. Number four, out of five, encourage someone else who's ready to quit. Encourage someone else who's ready to quit. One last sports analogy. I hope there's some guys on my team, I say my team, my Spartan team, that'll encourage each other because they probably felt like quitting after the game yesterday. There's a lot of season left. Sometimes all it takes is someone to come into your life and just encourage you a little bit. How many of you have been there? Right? Someone just comes up and encourage you. Boy, that goes a long way. Be that person. Be that person. And the number five, this one's personal to me because I am a, a singing preacher, all right? As I said in Sunday school, I'm, a, I'm not a preaching singer, but a singing preacher. There's a difference. But I do love music, so I added number five. Surround yourself with God-honoring music. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, verse 16, great passages of Scripture. There's something spiritual about the music we listen to. Now listen, friends, can you listen to music that's just entertaining? Absolutely. One of the reasons that I'm not speaking on music much anymore it's not because I don't think it's an important issue, but people were just constantly misunderstanding what I was saying. And they say, hey, well, Ben Everson to speak on music so that when he's done, everyone just listens to hymns all the time, which is not at all what I preach or teach. So I, I got tired of being taken out of context. Because you can, I, I've sung in barbershop groups and played in symphony orchestras, and, and there's just fun music out there that's not wrong. It's just, it's just entertaining. It's like playing basketball. What's inherently spiritual about basketball well nothing but you can play it right or wrong uh but uh, i mean I, same thing's true in music but let me say this put on the music in your life that you want to feel like in other words don't 
if you're depressed, don't put on like slow, you know, <laughs> music that just like, Ugh. a friend of mine who used to get depressed all the time, he said people would try to help him. They give him all these cassette tapes. It was cassette tapes at the time. And he said they're all like peaceful streams and, you know, quiet reflections and things like that, which aren't bad, he said, but it, they like dragged me down. He said, you know what I need? I need some anthems about the greatness of God. And he said, when I'm depressed, I don't listen to music. I've learned not to listen to music that keeps me depressed. I want to listen to where I want to be. Sometimes when I sing Trust and Obey, when I start that song, I don't think, like, I'm not really feeling like I want to trust and obey. But by the end of the song, I do. Why? Because it gave me a goal to shoot for. Maybe when we started singing Victory in Jesus, you weren't feeling very victorious. But at the end of it, it changes us, right? You can be a threat to the kingdom of darkness through the music that you use in your life. It doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's. But find something that lifts your heart to the Lord. I hope this is helpful to you. I don't know that we ended where you thought we would. But you know what, friends? I want to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. I want to make a mark not for my sake, but for my Savior's sake. I want him to be able to say, I want to use Ben for something. I want, you know, I, we need to make a couple yards. I want to count on that Grace Baptist Church in Madison going forward for the Lord. I'm excited about the building project, by the way. Uh, I, I believe that the thing, even the physical things that we do are all part of the same deal. So we can serve the Lord. I, and apart from being mad that you scheduled the harvest meal or whatever it is when we're not here. I'm a little bitter about that. But I'm, so, I'm sorry we can't be here for the, the planning and the, and the special uh, offering and such for the building and things because that can be a big part of this outpost. You're an outpost here. It's what you are, a spiritual outpost in this battle. So don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in the word. Stay on your knees. Encourage each other. And who knows what God will do. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank for these dear people. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in the sound of my voice this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, that Lord, whether they're watching live or listening to the recording or whatever it might be, whether they're here in this room, Lord, that if they don't know you as Savior, Lord, that today would be the day that they realize this and that they trust you. But Lord, I ask for those of us who have trusted you, that you'd press upon our hearts the need, the, the reality that we are in a spiritual warfare. So, Lord, help us to be everything that you want us individually to be for you. Whether it's a big glamorous thing that gets a lot of attention or whether it's just behind the scenes. Lord, being faithful, praying, reading your word, sharing the gospel with others, encouraging people along the way. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to do this. Help us, we pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Pastor to come and he's going to close as he sees fit. Friend, if the Lord moves upon your heart to deal with something between you and the Lord, let me challenge you to do that here this morning. Stand with me this morning. Think about that. Am I a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Maybe you feel like in, you have a, a sense that God wants you to, to renew your heart. Maybe there's a time for a new beginning today. Why don't you come? This is an old-fashioned altar. Uh, if God has worked in your heart concerning baptism,
Maybe you need to come and just join the church. Um, why don't you come? If you need me to talk to you, I'll be up here. But if you just need to come and pray, that's what the altar's for. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and as soon as I'm done, the piano's going to begin. And if you need to come, you come. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, but you want to come to Jesus. Why don't you come today? Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in Jesus' name. Amen.